This is the fourth Sunday in the season of Advent, so I thought we could maybe have a little fun. Our Advent waiting, about to give way to Christmas celebrating. By the way, if you're around Christmas Eve, Saturday, 3, 4.30, and 9, here at Pillar on 9th, a 4 o'clock candlelight service over at the warehouse on 6th. I'll be at all of them. You can come to any one of them. But this is the fourth Sunday in the season of Advent, so I thought let's have a little fun. I've asked my friends Noah and Eloise to help me. Uh, Noah is a first-year student at the University of Michigan, the first person to be baptized in the 175-year history of Pillar by immersion. It was a great day. We brought in the horse trough. We emptied the hot water heater. He shared his testimony. It was beautiful. He's going to read for us from a portion of a sermon St. Augustine preached about this time of year, 1700 years ago. Listen to this. He by whom all things were made was made one of all things. The Son of God by the Father without a mother became the Son of Man by a mother without a father. The Word who is God before all time became flesh at the appointed time. The Maker of the Son was made under the Son. He who fills the world lays in a manger, great in the form of God, but tiny in the form of a servant. This was in such a way that neither was his greatness diminished by his tininess, nor was his tininess overcome by his greatness. I love that. He by whom all things were made was made one of all things. Noah's awesome, too. And then little Eloise. Eloise is nine. She's a fourth grader at Zeeland Christian. Uh, four or five years ago, she came up here on a Sunday morning, shared her testimony by her life, her love and faith in God. It was so beautiful. Uh, she's going to read for us from C.S. Lewis in a little book titled Mere Christianity. The Son of God became man to enable men to become the sons of God. The Son of God became the Son of Man to enable men to become sons of God. I love that. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that humans can become children. So, so beautiful. That was just for fun. That was just to move us through the fourth Sunday of Advent. Maybe in part, actually, to set your hearts going in the direction that we're heading for the next little while. This is the fourth Sunday in the season of Advent. All Advent long, we've been swimming in the oceanic depths of Matthew's genealogy, or to borrow a different metaphor, we've been climbing around on messianic branches. My hope, my heart, by listening to their lives, your life might somehow get picked up and placed on those branches that can hold the weight of whatever you carry. So listen carefully and listen well. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. And Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Aram. Aram was the father of Aminadab. And Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salman, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. 
and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asaph, Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, Joram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amos, Amos, the father of Josiah, Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel. Salathiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. Abiud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Atzor. Atzor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Achim. Achim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph. The husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who's called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. From the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And just to be upfront about it, that's the fourth time in the four Sundays of Advent, you've heard the 42 names, the three sets of 14 generations leading up to the one Matthew calls the Messiah and we worship as Christ. My way, this repetition of these 42 names, my way of insisting with you, all scriptures inspired by God, even the genealogy All scripture opens our hearts to God's heart. Even Salafiel, Zerubbabel, Jeconiah. There is no bottom you can find. There is no end to its depth. It's limitless. It just keeps going and going. And it starts like this. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. The son of David. The son of Abraham. It happens fast. There's this dramatic shift in that first verse from Messiah to son. Messiah. How beautiful the world could be. Messiah, everything we'd hoped might happen. Messiah, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in this one tonight. Messiah becomes son, child, flesh, blood, boy, kid, crying in the night and laughing in the day, stubbed toes and skin knees, winter's flu and summer's burn, just like the rest of us, kid, flesh, blood, boy, child, I wonder how often he woke his parents up in the middle of the night with those screams and how cute he was when they held him the next morning with his coos. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son. The son of David, the son of Abraham. I don't think it can be overstated how significant it is that the creator of the universe would enter into the vulnerabilities of infantile life. That's how Augustine put it. Remember, he by whom all things were made was made one of all things. I don't think it can be overstated. The one who made all things became one of all things. The one who made the universe took on the pressures of the universe. And I'm guessing you know a pressure or two. An ache, a pain, a sickness, a sadness, a heartache. The life you hoped to love comes crashing down with a diagnosis you didn't want to hear. Everybody around you is 
watching Hallmark movies this season and drinking their holly nog and gathering with their friends and throwing their parties and eating all their good food and all of it's fine and all of it's just fine, but all of it reminds you of the one you've loved and lost that no one else seems to remember. Or maybe it's not a crisis. Maybe it's just the everyday, the, 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 the mundane. It just, it's just not right. It's fine. It's fine, but it's not good. This genealogy catches us off guard an account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son. He takes on what we are. He knows the ache. He entered into the pain. He became the sadness for us. That's what the Nicene Creed shouts so loudly for us and for our salvation. He was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin. He became human, 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 just like you is the point, is the promise. He took it all on for us and for our salvation. The Messiah became the Son. Last Sunday night, we, uh, one of my favorite nights of the year, actually, we hosted the Grassroots Christmas Pageant, the Forevereth Annual Grassroots Christmas Pageant. All the little ones got dressed up in their different character costumes. There was one Mary, there were angels, there were shepherds with their sticks. There was only one wise man, which means Jesus got jilted out of two of the gifts he belonged. And nobody dressed up as Joseph. No one ever dressed up as Joseph. I have no idea why. I saw a turtle that night. There was a hawk, I'm pretty sure. A lamb that looked more like Batman to me. And mice all over. Here's a bunch of pictures of the night. This is just for fun. And I want you to notice this last picture. This last picture that's Jay Quaker dressed as a mouse amidst the chaos of that night. The shepherds poking with sticks and the angels fluttering around and the animals stomping their way. Jay Quaker fast asleep on the front of the stage. How does he do that? I think it's so cute and so beautiful. But I also, I left the night wondering, what if, what if a few others feel like that too amidst the chaos? They just want to, you just want to go to sleep. Not in the cute way, but in the troubled way. You just want to close your eyes. And maybe if you don't get out of bed, maybe it's not actually happening. The thing I love about Jesus, he knows what that's like. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son. The Son of David, the Son of Abraham. Matthew's being strategic in the way he tells this genealogy. The Son of David. David, David, who woke the world up to what they hoped could be a king, a king who would rule with grace and reign and mercy, a king who would bring justice to its right conclusion and make peace a reality, a king, not a demanding dictator, but a benevolent service, finally a king, but David couldn't live up to the weight of those expectations. He couldn't carry the weight of those promises, and I'm not talking about Bathsheba this time. David, the shepherd boy, you remember? The shepherd boy out in the field, Jesse's son, goes mano a mano with Goliath, the giant of Gath, he, he doesn't fit in Saul's armor, which should have been foretelling, so he takes a stick and he grabs some stones and he slays that giant of Gath. And David runs over Goliath and he takes Goliath's sword and he cuts off his head and David becomes king, a shepherd boy with authority, a shepherd boy with an army, a shepherd boy with power. Power. David had power. And power tends, did to him what it tends to do to all of us. It, 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 it 
infects, it corrupts. We think we have power, failing to recognize it actually has us. It controls us. Too often, it manages us. And if you're thinking, hey, good, I don't really have power. I'm just a pawn in someone else's game. Think again. All of us, to some degree or another, on varying levels, depending on our circumstance and location, have some kind of power at home, at work, with your own self. And too often and too quickly, the power we have ends up having us. I think it's important. I think Matthew wants us to ask this fourth Sunday in the season of Advent, What do you do with power? What do you do with the power you have? Or does it just have you? Which is what makes this child such a surprise. This infant boy, the Messiah, becomes son, rewrites the power scripts of our lives, picks up David's power games and offers them back in a gospel way. He redefines power in beatitudinal terms. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hungry. He rewrites the power scripts. Let the little ones come to me because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He he, he redefines the cultural versions of power and takes them to the cross and goes down to the grave where he defeats sin and death and rises up in resurrection to give us back what we wanted from the beginning. A real, full, thriving, whole life. He redefines power. The question this Advent season, what do you do with power? Matthew's wondering. One of the gifts I've been so grateful for as part of the Pillar community are all these little ones we have running around, all these babies crying in our gatherings, parents holding their car seats, talking to one another about the challenges of infantile life it's been such a gift such a blessing last week we baptized Marky and Annie this coming Sunday we'll baptize little Jack and on and on they go and I love that moment when we baptize it's profound to me I can hardly say it on some Sundays maybe you notice we say to these little ones it was for you little one that Christ came into the world It was for you that he died. It was for you that he rose again. Yes, you, little one, even though you may know nothing of it now, these little ones who have no capacity for accomplishment, these little ones who who take so much and require so much and need so much are the very ones loved, blessed by Christ himself. He rewrites the power scripts of our lives. What do you do with power? Or does it have you? An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. The son of Abraham, Matthew takes us to those oaks of Mamre where Abram was sitting in the shade. And out of nowhere, God shows up and basically says to Abram, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And through you, all the world will be blessed. And you know Abram. You can read about his story in the book of Genesis if you want to. Abram's life on some levels, this beautiful demonstration of faith, but then on another level, like, not, like Abram, what are you doing, man? Abram has a boy, Isaac. Isaac, kind of like his dad. He's like some, some kind of beautiful and also some kind of, what are you doing, Isaac? And Isaac has a boy, Jacob, and it goes the same way, this complex mix. And, 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 and Jacob has kids too, Judah and his brothers. The youngest brother, Joseph, the, the, the bigger brothers leave Joseph to die in a, in, a, in a pit. And it goes on. I mean, the whole Old Testament, it's like one story after another. You're not, uh, after another, you're not sure you should be reading. 
I mean, sooner or later, I mean, these stories of violence and oppression and abuse and war and so often, too often, so much worse. And sooner or later, you've got to ask, is God condoning this violence? Is God sanctioning this kind of abuse and worse? It's a good question to ask. I think we have to ask. I've been thinking about this over the course of the fall because we've been walking through the Old Testament together I wonder if it's possible just for a second to flip that question on its head. Just for a second. What, what if all of these stories aren't God condoning and God sanctioning, but rather God redeeming? God not opposed to entering into the fray. God not opposed to entering into the mix. To reconcile and to redeem, not to sanction and condone but to rewrite the scripts of our lives and offer them back for something good? What if, what if the question can be flipped just a bit? What if God is not opposed to enter in? That's the story. That's what Matthew's saying. The Messiah became the Son. Even when our lives don't act like blessing, God will bless. I like the way St. Augustine puts it in a sermon he preached. Being rich, he became poor for our sake, so that by his poverty we might become rich. He, equal to the Father in the form of God, became like us in the form of a servant, and he reforms us to be like God. The only Son of God, having become the Son of Man, makes many sons of men the sons of God. He enters in to lift us up. He comes down so that we can rise up to bless, to do what God intended to do through Abram and fulfills in Christ and wants from you. Bless! Love, serve, give amidst the broken realities. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This past Tuesday, I made my way over to Hudsonville. It's a town, I think it's northeast. I'm bad with directions. I think it's northeast of Holland. I was born in Hudsonville. It was a farming community then. I'm not sure uh, what's happening there now. I was there on Tuesday to visit with Mike and Lisa Tubergen. Uh, Mike and I crossed paths in seminary like a long time ago. Um, Mike and Lisa, I think, are what Jesus had in mind when he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. They're just good. When they're here on Sundays, they sit in the front section off to my left, maybe the fifth, fourth, fifth row. Um, several Sundays ago, Lisa came to church. She was walking with a cane. 58-year-old women aren't normally walking with canes, so I was kind of curious. Called her last Thursday to invite myself over, and on Tuesday of this past week, I made my way over to Hudsonville, their beautiful home. And the backdrop to their home is a beautiful woods. Made my way into their living room, and we talked. We shared what was going on. Last February... Uh, Lisa noticed that her normally fairly clumsy self was taking clumsy to a whole new level. Clumsy even for her, she laughed. She thought maybe a pinched nerve, maybe it was a consequence of the back surgery she had had a year or two before. They did some tests. The doctors threw out the scary phrase, uh, multiple sclerosis. MS, but, but the test came back negative. It wasn't, it wasn't MS, but, which was, they were grateful, glad to hear, but they still didn't know what, what, what is it. And the wondering is almost as agonizing. More tests, more prodding. 
springtimes, wondering becomes, became summers, knowing the thing they didn't want to hear. In August, Lisa was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, an incurable neurodegenerative disease that basically causes the muscles to starve until they can no longer work. We've walked with people with ALS, so we know that story. So we talked and we even laughed a little and we cried some too. They shared with me what they were thinking. They shared with me how they were feeling. They shared with me what they were doing, which is the same thing they've always done. It's just a lot harder now. And after a while, I asked if I could pray. And because you don't always know how to pray when the news is bad, I prayed a set prayer. Pastor Anna had shared with me just the day before. Here's, a, here's some of it. God, my rock, fortress, and eternal foundation, be present in this moment of my fear for the footings of my life as I've known it are shaken. Unwelcome news has tilted the world suddenly, robbing me of balance and bearing, casting all plans for pleasant futures in a wavering light. O oh God who fights for me, be present in this confusion. Be present in this uncertain distress. Be present in my passage through denial, anger, frustration, and fear. Be near in ways that I can sense and know. Be my everlasting rock, my unassailable fortress, my fierce defender. Steady the spinning of my world, we prayed. I might have added a word or two as well. As we were praying, I noticed the heartbeat of that prayer. Be present. Be present. Be near. Be present. Matthew's announcing he's present. He knows. He's with. This story's not over. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He by whom all things were made was made one of all things. Amen? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Messiah, all we'd hoped might happen, becomes the Son, the child, the skin, knee, and the bruised elbow for us and for our salvation. He knows. He's with you. So come, if you believe Jesus is Lord and acknowledge Him as Savior in this way, this kind of virtual wave. Maybe you've got bread and wine, maybe crackers and juice. Or if you're not at that place in life or faith, maybe this isn't the table for you today. I'd love for you to think about where are you with God? What are you thinking? And maybe if you're willing, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me, jln at pillarchurch.com. For those who choose, come as you're ready.